0: So I heard a story about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching her class about the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the Incarnation. And so she's talking to them about Mary, talking about Joseph, and talking about the story of Jesus' birth and everything that happened and how they went to Bethlehem and all the details of the story. And so she's thinking she's done a good job. And after telling the stories, she asked the class, she said, okay, so who do you think is the most important woman in the Bible? And one little boy raises his hand and he says, Eve. And of course, she thought he would say Mary, right? She'd just gotten through telling the story of Jesus, and she said, okay, well, why do you think Eve is the most important woman in the Bible? He said, well, they named two days after her, right? Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, so she must be pretty important. (laughs) Never thought about it like that, but I guess that is true. Well, we have been in a series uh, during the month of December leading up until now called Upside Down Christmas, and we have been walking through the Gospel of Matthew's account of the coming of Jesus and the story of Jesus. And what we've been looking at is how that story, that reality, that truth, turns everything upside down. Or maybe the other way of thinking it, as we've really seen throughout this series, is it turns everything right side up, if we're really going to be honest. And so as we wrap up our series this morning, no pun intended, here on Christmas Eve, uh, it is a time of of, celebration, celebration of hope, of anticipation. There's so much excitement going on today and and waiting for tomorrow, and certainly more than anything, as I just got through talking about the kids, uh, the anticipation as we celebrate what was the coming of Jesus, the coming of the light of the world into our world. And yet, at the same time, I'm mindful that the other thing about Christmas Eve is uh, there's also a sadness and a darkness to it. And the hope of Christmas is especially for those who are dealing with the reality that right now, your world is upside down. Because the truth is, here's the reality, Christmas has a dark side. Christmas has a dark side. And just even think about it from a, a, you know, just a a visceral level. Think about some of our favorite Christmas movies, right? I think about uh, Elf, and I think about Christmas Vacation. For some of you, it's not my favorite, but maybe The Christmas Story. All of our favorite movies around this time of year, are built around some epic Christmas fail, right? Because Christmas never goes the way we think it should. It never goes perfectly. Christmas just goes bad sometimes, and we all have our stories of times when Christmas doesn't go the way we think it should, because you see, troubles and sorrows don't take a holiday, do they? And Christmas— is just kind of the great magnifier, I think, in a lot of ways. And maybe we try to put on a happy face, but there's still some deep-seated emotions, and it just takes every emotion and kind of intensifies it around this time of year. And so for some, this may be the first Christmas as a married couple, right? And that's exciting. And for others, maybe it's the first Christmas as parents, or maybe a new baby, is here since the last Christmas, or maybe it's the first Christmas since the new house, or the new job, or the new opportunity, and yet for others, it's the first Christmas since the divorce, first Christmas since the funeral, first Christmas since the house was lost, or the job was lost, or the first Christmas since the bad report from the doctor. Do you know that the first Christmas had a dark side too? That first Christmas came with with light and rejoicing, but also with darkness and mourning. You know, last week we talked about how the wise men came and the story of the wise men, and, and they came and they brought Jesus gifts, baby Jesus gifts, and they worshiped this, this baby Jesus. But then the Bible says, starting in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, that when they had gone, when the, the, the magi, the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him so he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt you see Jesus's coming from heaven did not stop hell on earth and it gets even worse than that, because we also read in verse 16 that when Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. And in that vicinity, who were two years, older and, who, two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So as I said, we've been in this series looking at the first two chapters of Matthew. We've been walking through what Matthew writes about the coming of Jesus and the birth of Jesus, and we've read about Jesus' genealogy, and we've read about his family history, and we've read about Mary, and we've read about Joseph, and we've read about the wise men and their journey and what God does to reveal himself to them. But it's impossible to read these first two chapters of Matthew without at least noticing the part that we just got through reading in verses 13 through 18. I mean, we'd much rather skip over it, right? Especially you're probably thinking, what the world is he doing preaching about this on Christmas Eve? I mean, let's just skip over that part of the story. We we don't really want to talk about that. And to be honest with you, I have gone back and forth on this. I, I really had no intentions of preaching on this section of Scripture, as I started making out the the series and laying it out, and, and and as I got closer, even this week I was wrestling with it. Like, okay, do I do I want to still preach on this? And the more I thought about it, the more I just felt convicted. I felt the Holy Spirit's tug, just saying, "No, this is something that needs to be. T- it's part of the story, right? It's part of the story." And I think there is plenty of encouragement to come out of it. We can talk about all the other stuff and that's that's really good stuff and it's happy stuff and we ought to talk about those things. But there's also something about this part of the story that I think can bring some sense of encouragement as well because the reality is sometimes Christmas just doesn't go right. And so let me give you a couple of things. This story I think reminds us of first it reminds us that it could be worse. Like it could be worse. It's like the story I heard about these eight men, eight older men who were sitting around the table at the local coffee shop. And the first guy says, you know, my arm is so weak, I can barely even hold this cup of coffee. And the second guy says, my cataracts are so bad, I can't even see the cup of coffee in front of me. The third guy says, my arthritis is so bad, I can't even sign my name. Fourth guy says, my arthritis is so bad, I can't even turn my neck. The fifth guy says, I can't even stand up, my blood pressure medicine makes me so dizzy. The sixth guy says, what? Speak up, I can't hear a word you guys are saying. Seventh guy said, well, I guess that's just the price we pay for getting old. The eighth guy says, yeah, but at least we can all still drive. (laughs) You ever been behind that guy? Maybe you are that guy. (laughs) Here's the reality, though. Some of you are in Egypt this Christmas. That's where some of you are. And some things have happened to you and in your life. They're out of your control, but they've put you in a place that you didn't anticipate and you certainly don't appreciate. And Egypt is a bummer. But sometimes it's still better than Bethlehem. And so like Joseph and Mary, there is, I think, some wisdom. It's not the end of the story. We'll get to more at the end. Of, but at least I think there's some wisdom and some perspective to be had and even some peace to be had by realizing that it could be worse. Just, just say it with me. It could be worse. Say it. It could be worse. Say it one more time. It could be worse. It's not to minimize what you're going through, but it could be worse. And so you're going to get in your car after services today, and you're going to drive on your way home or out to eat, wherever you're going. You're going to drive by some cars that are nicer than the car that you're driving. But you're not going to be jealous because you have a car, and it gets you to where you need to go. And unlike the billions, many other people on this earth who can't even imagine even owning a car, you own a car. people on this earth can't imagine being able to drive, if your kid is sick or you're sick, being able to drive to a hospital within 10 or 15 minutes. Being able to drive to the store to get something that you need, or anywhere for that matter. It could be worse. And on the way to your house, you're going to pass houses that are nicer and bigger than yours, right? But you're not going to be jealous because you have a home to go to. And you're going to walk in and you're going to turn a light on and light's going to come on and you're going to go into the restroom or into the the, um, the kitchen and you're going to turn a, a faucet and water is going to come on. Even hot water is going to come on. And you're going to be thankful because there are billions of people in our world who don't have even artificial light that they can turn on or running water that's running through their plumbing. And so it could be worse. And then you're going to think about your spouse. And when you wake up tomorrow morning on Christmas Day, you're going to roll over in bed and you're going to look at them and you're going to say, no, you're not going to say that. Please do not say that. Some of you may think it. Do not say it. It's going to ruin your Christmas, I promise you. But all kidding aside, isn't it interesting? Think about this story. Isn't it interesting that the place that the Jews were once enslaved in Egypt is now the place that the king of the Jews goes to find refuge. And isn't it true that we can look back at times in our lives and realize that those places sometimes that we didn't want to be in, and, and we couldn't see the purpose maybe in those moments, in fact, were the places that we exactly needed to be. God had us right where we needed to be. I mean, is it possible? I'm not saying that that it's fun what you're going through, but is it possible that we're sitting here, Lord willing, next time, next year, this time, and we're thinking about where we were here and saying maybe it was a good thing we were in Egypt. Maybe it was a good thing what we went through. Now, you can say that about Egypt. I think there's perspective to be said. It's a little harder to say that about Bethlehem and Ramah. Because every life has some moments and some seasons where it probably can't get much worse. At least it doesn't feel that way, right? And they make us wonder, why? Why, God? I mean, we, I don't know how you feel. I, I don't know if you just skip over the details of this story, but... Why? We read the story, and it's like, why? why? Like, God, couldn't you, like, give, um, you know, Herod, like, a heart attack or something? Why don't you stop it? God, why don't you just get rid of the cancer, or stop the the divorce, or or prevent the war, prevent the abuse? And and I don't know the answer to those questions, but I I, I do think one of the things that, that we can at least have some perspective on is Christmas doesn't really explain the existence of evil, but what Christmas does is shed some light on the future of evil. And so while it could be worse, Christmas also reminds us that it will be better. It will be better. When Matthew quoted from Jeremiah, he wasn't just looking to the past; he was also looking to the future. He says Rachel is weeping for her children. That's what he uh, quotes uh, from Jeremiah in Matthew chapter two. Rachel was one of the great heroines of the people of Israel. Uh, she was buried in that area around Bethlehem, real uh, close to uh, that area, and, and there was near that area as well was a city called Ramah. And back when the Jews were taken into captivity, Ramah was kind of like the staging area for the deportation. And so Rachel is kind of like this metaphor for all moms who are watching and weeping as their children are being carried away, probably never to see them again. But Matthew knows that the Babylons and the Herods of the world don't get the last word because I want you to look at the very next verse in Jeremiah where Matthew quotes from. Here's what it says, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 16 and 17. But now, this is what the Lord says. I love this. Do not weep any longer, for I will will reward you, says the Lord. Your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. That's what God promised to his people. You see, here's the problem with asking God to get rid of all evil, and I'm, I'm not saying those aren't requests that we can't make, but here's the problem. If we ask God to get rid of all evil, none of us are going to be left, right? Let's just be honest, because we all have some darkness in us, and so at Christmas, at Bethlehem, God set in motion a different way to deal with darkness, and Jesus was born. And don't misunderstand. Just because Jesus missed death at his birth doesn't mean that he came to miss death. Oh, quite to the contrary. He was born to die. But first, he would be born. And he would become a man. And he would face every temptation. And he would bear every indignity. And he would refuse every opportunity to give in to darkness. And then the perfect son would ultimately go to a cross. And he would deliver darkness, a blow from which it would never recover. And Christmas reminds us that there is hope for our future because the one who came is coming again. The curse will be reversed and weeping is going to turn into dancing and the world will one day be right side up. Because while there is no perfect christmas the birth of jesus sheds light on the truth that perfect is on the way perfect is on the way bible says in second timothy chapter one god has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we've done but because of his own purpose and grace This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so for some of us, maybe you have had an awesome year. Maybe this has been your best Christmas to date. If so, that is awesome, and we rejoice with you. Praise God for that. Don't feel bad about that. Praise God and give him thanks for what he is doing in your life. But for others of us, maybe you're in Egypt right now. Maybe you're in Ramah or Bethlehem right now. I hope you remember it will be better because perfect is on the way. And so, wherever you are, and whatever you're going through, God's call for each of us is to live in the light of Christmas. The prince of darkness wants you to believe that it doesn't get any better than this. But the truth is light overcomes darkness. I love how John puts it. He doesn't give a birth narrative like we get in Luke or in Matthew. But he tells a phenomenal story of what God did through Jesus coming into this world nonetheless. He writes in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word. He goes all the way back. All the way back. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we bow at Christmas before the king, who has the final word. Because we know where history is headed. Right side up is coming. One day death and pain and loneliness and suffering will be no more. And the only reminder that darkness ever existed will be the scars on the hands of the one ready to embrace you. So let's live in the light of Christmas. And let's allow allow the true light of the world to shine through us.